Hello, and welcome to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Margaret Parker. Today, I will be speaking with Tracy A. Wolbrink, MD, MPH, about the article, The Development of an Internet-Based Knowledge Exchange Platform for Pediatric Critical Care Clinicians Worldwide, published in the March 2014 issue of Pediatric Critical Care Medicine. Dr. Walbrink is an associate in critical care medicine at Children's Hospital of Boston in Massachusetts and an instructor in anesthesia at the Harvard Medical School. Thank you for being here today, Tracy. Thank you very much for having me, Margaret. It's a pleasure to be here. Would you please give us some background to this rather extensive project you've been working on? Absolutely. So we got started on this project approximately six years ago when we had a need here at at Children's to sort of fill in some of the gaps from the duty hours changes to fill in our resident education as well as to provide some, you know, resources for our fellows. And around the same time, we were getting some asks from a lot of international physicians to help us. help them with different types of educational needs in their hospitals internationally. A lot of these were in the developing country where they had been given a lot of different resources that were donated and they had no idea how to use some of them, including, for instance, a mechanical ventilator. We had several physicians come to say, we've got a whole room of ventilators and they're sitting there idle while our our clinicians just really don't have a, a way to use them successfully. And so, you know, they were kind of looking for help. And we know that our peds critical care community had been pretty avid in using web-based resources. You know, peds critical care medicine or pedsccm.org had been around for quite a while, and we were hoping to kind of build on some of their successes. And therefore, we partnered with the World Federation of Pediatric Intensive and Critical Care Societies and found some technical partners in IBM and, a, a, and Genuine Interactive and got started on trying to figure out what we needed to build, what kind of functionality we would need, where we would begin with in terms of our content, and really started putting this this program together. And there were quite a lot of challenges that we had in terms of problems that we were hoping our technical partners could solve. And that's essentially kind of how we got started. We wanted to make sure that, you know, we would be able to get into environments that were in both the developing and developed world and to be able to provide really high quality peer-reviewed educational content that could be trusted. So what kind of qualities or whatever um, were you trying to put in this educational platform? So you know, we initially started by looking around and seeing, you know, what was out there already for Peds Critical Care. And as I already mentioned, PedsCriticalCareMedicine.org, that was a fantastic site that had a lot of resources available and some networking capabilities, but it didn't have a lot of standalone structured curricula in terms of video. And we were really hoping to incorporate that. And we wanted to figure out, you know, also what people were using around the world because, you know, we, we know there's a ton of websites. And with the rapid explosion of the Internet, we thought, you know, there's got to be some, some great things out there. And we wanted to see what people were doing. So we um, developed our needs assessment and sent that out to sort of the rest of the world. And we sent that through the World Federation of Pediatric Intensive and Critical Care Societies because we wanted to make sure that we incorporated a very broad representation of of the world uh, of pediatric critical care. You know, there's obviously some limitations in our methodology in that we could have figured out a small group to survey and kind of gone narrow and deep, but we really wanted to embrace kind of what people uh, all around the world needed. And so we decided to go a little bit more broad and share. And so we sent it out through WIFPICS to the constituent societies, and we asked people to pass this survey along. 
And so we don't know how many people it actually reached, but we were able to get responses from 54 countries. Uh, we had 479 people respond to our single email request for surveys. And with that, we learned a lot about how often people were using web-based resources, what kind of web-based resources they were, they were utilizing, what sort of functionality in those resources they both were using and would like to have, including video, the capability to share protocols with each other, et cetera. And we also looked to see what kind of content they wanted. And I think one thing that was striking, you know, especially after having several people come to us ask specifically for education and mechanical ventilation, we got over 52% of our people that responded looked for uh, or were looking for topics related to respiratory care, and specifically, almost 40% wanted specific education related to mechanical ventilation. And so with that, we, we began looking also at what other functionalities they would want, and uh, there are certain things like mentoring groups and the capabilities to discuss with other pediatric critical care providers. So we got started basically building out a field type, prototype, that we could then test and take to other places, get feedback on the ease of use, including countries that were non-native English speakers. And we refined that, went back to the drawing board, changed that, and, and then we had what we called our beta release, which we released in September of 2012. Who got the beta release, or how did you decide where to, where to test it at, at that Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Well, first we wanted to test it internally. So we began just to make sure that, you know, we worked out all the bugs and kinks. And as we had, you know, a a significant need on our end to build a a asynchronous learning platform, we initially rolled it out to our friends and family here at Children's to make sure everything worked. And then we basically distributed it through WIFPIX and by word of mouth. We have a a website, that's www.openpediatrics.org, that we received um, several requests for access to the application. And as this application started to be disseminated to other friends and other people that were uh, kind of aware of this, it just got kind of passed down by word of mouth to the point where right now we're in about 85 countries and we have over 1,400 users, which has exceeded what our hope was for our beta release. Wow. So you didn't have a specific number that you were going to limit it to for beta testing. You just opened it up and saw where it went? Well, our our goal was 1,000 users, and so we were hoping to get 1,000 users in this first year, and we actually hit 1,000 and just exceeded that. So we were pretty excited. We didn't expect to have quite the breadth in so many different countries. We were hoping for about 10 or 20 countries, but, you know, it, it essentially went very rapidly into many countries because I think there's a couple of key features in this video that make it really useful to pediatric critical care providers and allow them to share their practices with other providers to help each other, you know, learn about various practices. And I think that that has really been successful. There's a a thing that we call the World Shared Practice Forum. And so we ask hospitals around the world to basically host a conference once a month and watch the video and sort of respond to the questions that are being asked in the video. And in that way, we kind of learn about some of the various practices of common pediatric critical care topics. And um, that's been probably the most utilized feature on the application and has really, I think, pulled in and incorporated quite a lot of hospitals um, to the point where, you know, once a month, this is becoming a routine practice for them to host this conference. What are the topics of the conference? Is it chosen by whoever's hosting it or...? 
Yeah, so we, we basically invite an expert, an international or national or local expert, to come to our studio and we film them. And um, similar to what we're doing today, we have uh, a video interview. And the topics can range from anything that we, we think is common in pediatric critical care, such as traumatic brain injury, the use of ECMO support, low cardiac output syndrome, hemodynamics and sepsis. And so a wide variety of different types of topics um, that are fairly common that we, we think most providers are probably facing. So can you kind of describe the application and how it is being used? And it sounds like you have already demonstrated there's an enormous need. How are folks using this? Can you tell? Yeah, absolutely. We actually are pretty lucky, and I think this is one thing that really sort of stands us apart from a lot of other applications, is that we have a robust set of analytics that are embedded into this platform. And so they're tracking kind of use patterns of the learners and the users, and sort of we can better understand how people are navigating through the system, how they're doing in terms of guided learning pathways, et cetera. And so the application itself is built on an Adobe Air application. And the reason that's significant is that it's a, a downloadable application that you can locally host on your computer. And what it allows it to do is actually function whether or not it's connected to the internet. So you can download the videos ahead of time and run those so you don't have to use live streaming. So in places where bandwidth is not very high, um, you can actually download all the videos locally and watch them there. Or it can be passed in a thumb drive and you can just plug it into your computer, download all the content and run it natively from your computer without having to use the internet very much, which is pretty exciting. And that was one of the key challenges that we took to our technical partners and said, you know, how can we run this? Six years ago, there wasn't as much internet capability. And how can we get this out to people and allow them to talk to each other and communicate with each other without really using a lot of internet tech speed? And so they, they download the application. And then there's kind of three main things that they can do in the application. And one is sort of information on demand, where they can go and browse the library of content, look at content or pieces of information that they may want if they've got a patient in front of them or they're looking to learn more about a specific topic. Two is our global community. So that's in- incorporates these World Shared Practice Forums, as I was discussing previously. And the third one is what we call our Guided Learning Pathways. And so these are structured curricula that we are using here with our residents, where they go through this asynchronous curriculum during their month's rotation. And the, the, the curriculum that we use most commonly here is just kind of a basic ICU curriculum, and it takes around six to eight hours to complete. And so they do that over the course of the four weeks. And each lesson has got a pretest followed by a video that they watch. They can print out a summary and take it with them in certain aspects, especially for the mechanical ventilation lesson. They interact with a virtual mechanical ventilation simulator that we've developed. And then they answer post-tests at the end. And if they complete the post-test with a correct rate of 80% or higher, they can move on to the next test. And if not, they're given hints in order to help them learn that. And at the end, they're given a certificate of completion that they send to us and or, or we can look up, and that's what we ask our residents to do. And I know that several other places around the world are, are using that for part of resident or fellow training, and we're actually working with a couple of programs to develop their own guided learning pathways that will go into the application. What are the limitations of this application, this project? Yeah, well, one of the, one of the limitations that we've identified was that um, the hospital firewalls are pretty robust in blocking uh-huh. things. And so mm-hmm. um, with mm-hmm. the downloadable application, even though it's great for places that don't have very strong um, bandwidths or Internet access, it's been really challenging in order to get this into the hospital because so many computers don't allow you to download a program. 
Right. And so people can download this on their own personal computer, et cetera, but it's been really hard to actually get into the hospitals and allow this to maintain and, and, and stay updated because we are constantly getting user feedback and we're constantly modifying the platform. And so we release a new build somewhere between every two to four weeks with some tweaks and modifications. And so that's been a little bit challenging. And, and to address that point, we've decided to make our full release, which is going to be coming out sometime in April, it's going to be fully web-based. We'll still have the capability for people to use the Adobe Air application and download that if they like, but the majority, we think, of users are going to be running through a web-based application. If you do updates every two to four weeks, that seems like that's a lot of person time. Who, who does those? Yeah, we've been very fortunate to have um, our technical partner, IBM, donate a lot of in-kind support to this project. Mm -hmm. And so they are basically working on the platform to develop the social learning platform for us and host it for us to allow our peds critical care community to have access to this for free. And so they've been doing the technical programming, and we here have been responsible for developing the content that goes into the platform. Is this, you mentioned that it's going to be fully released in April. Is it widely available now? What if uh, somebody wanted to plug into it? Absolutely. So we are inviting anybody that wants to use it free of charge. They can go to our website, www.openpediatrics.org, and there's a way to request access to the application. Because it's a downloadable application, we have to register them first and send them an email so they can download the application. Mm -hmm. <laughs> After April, um, they'll be able to just go directly to the website and gain access through, you know, registra registration process directly in the website. Pretty cool. Yeah. How are you going to know if this is an effective learning tool? Uh, that's a, another great question. <laughs> you know, with the analytics built into it, we believe that we can study a lot of different types of new innovative learning strategies. We have robust analytics that are built into our virtual ventilator, which are allowing us to track basically how people are using the ventilator to look at various practice, you know, maybe internationally or at different various levels of training. So we can see what are some of the common mistakes people are making on the ventilator and what are some of the common challenges that we face. We're looking at the guided learning pathways as a way to see, you know, are there some videos that are better at others and what are some of the strategies or maybe components in those videos that are promoting better learning. And with a new learning, learning content management system that's going to be rolled out with our next version, we're going to have enhanced functionality to do various things in terms of incorporating new practices that are coming out within the medical education literature, such as interpolated testing and other things. So we'll have the capabilities to kind of tweak our content based on the, the newest uh, research and literature as well as to, you know, potentially change up and, and start adding in different types of content to be able to study it through the application. And with this large number of users, we should be able to look at effectiveness of learning. We obviously aren't actually in the hospitals, and so the challenge that we face is, you know, is the learning that they're getting, is that translating into actual practice? And that's something that we're looking to try to figure out how and if we might be able to investigate that. You mentioned that there are some other internet-based educational resources out there. How does this fit in with those? Is it does it replace them? Is there any role for integration or complement complementary use? Where do you see this fitting in in the the world of internet-based education? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are so many really great resources out there. You know, I think that there's a lot of opportunities to integrate various 
resources or provide you know links to other resources or incorporate other um, resources within within the application. But we understand also we're not the only application, and that we we think we are doing a, a good job with the, our small scope. But there's a lot of other resources that sort of are different and are you know things like LinkedIn or you know we certainly aren't looking to replace these kind of resources. We're just looking to create a really high quality, relevant educational and trustworthy source that people can also contribute content to, and it will go through the same peer review process that our content goes through currently to be able to publish things, because I think there are a lot of fantastic educators out there that don't have access to web developers to be able to get their resources out there, and so we're hoping to build a, a worldwide repository where good teachers and it can basically host their educational resources for free so that people can use them and, and you know, they can get feedback on those, and we can really create a lot of exciting tools. And if everybody kind of goes with this open access, open source philosophy, I think we're just going to make our, our field a much better and much smarter field. What about people who don't speak English? Uh, that's great. We, we are looking to translate our content into multiple languages. The first version is in English, although we do have Spanish subtitles in all of our World Shared Practice forums. We're translating some of our content currently into Spanish and a few other languages of people that have reached out to us and wanted to translate independently working with us. Like, if, for instance, we're translating some videos into Turkish. Hmm. And so we're gonna ha we have the capabilities for people that are interested in a similar model to MIT OpenCourseWare's language translation model where we will look to some of our partners and collaborators and users worldwide to help us build this base up. Our hope is that with IBM, we can in, in the future, and it's probably not going to be for the next version or probably the version after, but to create the whole application in a various number of languages. Well, this is a pretty exciting uh, new platform that uh, you have developed. Do you have any final comments you'd like to make? Well, the only thing I, I just really wanted to say thank you to our number of beta users that we've had because they've provided such invaluable information as to what people in the platform want and what we've built that we hit the mark, what we needed to change and tweak, and they really helped us to shape the next release. And in the future, we're really excited to be asking for people to contribute their content, to share with others around the world, and to be peer reviewers for the content, and to you know utilize this platform in novel ways in their hospital and to kind of share that with the rest of the world and, and really figure out how we can best use a platform like this and, and, and develop this so that it really meets the needs of our critical care community. Well, thank you very much, Tracy. That was really interesting. Thank you very much for having me. We have been talking today with Dr. Tracy Woolbrink from Children's Hospital Boston about her paper, The Development of an Internet-Based Knowledge Exchange Platform for Pediatric Critical Care Clinicians Worldwide, published in Pediatric Critical Care Medicine in March 2014. Thank you for joining us today. This concludes another edition of the iCritical Care podcast. Please check out our website at www.sccm.org slash iCriticalCare for more information. For the iCriticalCare podcast, I'm Dr. Margaret Parker. Join or renew your membership with SCCM, the only multi-professional society dedicated exclusively to the advancement of critical care. Members receive discounts on all SCCM educational programs and resources. Please ask to speak to a customer service representative or visit www.sccm.org slash membership for more information. Margaret Parker, MD, FCCM. 
serves as an associate editor for the Eye Critical Care Podcasts. Dr. Parker is professor of pediatrics at Stony Brook University in New York and is the director of the Pediatric Intensive Care Unit at Stony Brook University Medical Center. A former president of the Society of Critical Care Medicine, Dr. Parker is involved in quality improvement and standardization of care in the pediatric ICU, as well as resident education. Her clinical interests include severe sepsis and septic shock in children. The iCritical Care podcast is copyrighted material and all rights are reserved. Statements of fact and opinion expressed in this podcast are those of authors and participants and do not imply an opinion on the part of the Society of Critical Care Medicine or its officers or members. To contact the editorial staff of the iCritical Care podcast with questions, comments, or ideas, please email iCriticalCare at sccm.org or info at sccm.org.